This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Marjorie Bunnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best of the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. I am so excited to talk about surveilling your kids today. Wow. Is this the chatter on the playground yet with, with moms and dads about tracking your own kids through They're- one of the many tracking apps that there are? Yeah, definitely the tracking. That's a benefit of the little um, watch that we have for my eight and a half year old, but we don't really use it. It's very interesting. There's also a lot of discussion over like, do you look at your kid's phone? Are you reading their Mm -hmm. text messages? Are you looking at their Snapchat? Are you weighing in on this? And a lot of that is happening with friends of mine who have kids who are more in like the 13 to 17 range where, you know, mine are a little bit younger. So I just listen, my eyes get really wide and I like soak it all in and I'm like, what kind of psychopaths are you and where am I headed? Because it feels very scary there, Marjorie. And it's easy to judge these crazy parents of teenagers until like you're one of them. What inspired this discussion today is an article I found in the Atlantic called the very common, very harmful, well-meaning thing parents do. Surveilling your kids will only backfire. And it's by writer Devorah Heitner. And I found this fascinating. I'm going to read you a little bit of it because I think this is a really important topic for parents to think about when their kids are little. Because you want to begin to have that conversation with them about surveilling them before they're teenagers. You don't want to bring this up when they're 13 because they're going to be like, hell no, they're going to have lots of fake accounts and you're never going to know what they're doing. So she's the author of the book Growing Up Public. But here's here's some statistics I want to give you. There are 50 million active users of Life360. That's a geo-tracking app. My family uses Find My Friends because we all have iPhones except one of them. My older son is the one that said, hey, can we do Find My Friends? I want to know where you guys are. I want to know that you're okay. So it was the reverse. Our son wanted to track us. which Interesting. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty funny. But there was one night he was sick. This is about two weeks ago. I think you'll get a huge kick out of this. He was sick and really sick. And so he was on some, you know, antibiotics stuff, not COVID, but he plays, he plays a lot of basketball. And so that Saturday morning, I went to see where he was because I wanted, I didn't want him playing basketball. 
And so I looked to see where he was. I could see he was on the basketball. He was at the basketball court. And so I texted him. I said, good thing you're at home in bed getting better. And he just wrote back and he said, remember, find my friends is a privilege. <laughs> like overstep, mom, you overstep. And generally I'll just like, I'll look to see where he is because I can see if he's in a meeting or something as to whether or not I should call him. That's the only reason I use it because I don't want to interrupt him. So, oh, so you check before calling. All right. I check this before is intriguing. Calling. We so, don't do this in our family. We don't do like in my adult family, we don't right. do find my friends or any sort of life 360 tracking, but I sort of feel like sometimes it would come in handy. And it's my, super parents, handy. my parents don't even track each other. Cause there have been times where my dad has like texted me and my sisters and been like, Hey, have you heard from mom? And we're like, oh, really? what's going on? And she will be, she will have been at like some lunch or something. And right. then the lunch is like, turns into a glass of wine. And then it's very oh, fun with her great. friends. You know, my mom's like pretty social. And then if she has her phone in her bag, she, she doesn't look. have an Apple watch. So she's not looking. Yeah. And then That's it's great. like, oh, the alert goes out. No, this has happened very rarely, but it has been a couple of times. And I've sort of wondered like, why aren't you guys tracking where each other are, especially because they lived in two different cities for a long time. Yeah. So I would think that would sort of be natural. And now they have a place in Florida and then a place here. And so I, you know, sometimes like my dad will go down there to check on the place for a they, couple of days. They really and then should. It's they very really strange. It's, it's really no big deal. And at one point in my family, there are four of us, my immediate family, and we were all living in different cities. And so it was really nice to be able to see, okay, everybody's tucked in, everybody's it's fine. And for adults, it's just great because we're not really surveilling each other to find out information. It's just, I can tell when my husband's on campus. And so yeah, I won't call but him. But that's surveilling him to get information. That is true. <laughs> you know, that's exactly right. We are surveilling each other. With love. I'll just I mean, put it I'm that not way. trying to call you out. I'm not no. saying it's like negative, but it's just funny when you're like, we're not doing it to get information. Here's the information that I'm trying to get. <laughs> you're right. But I'm surveilling with love and with no great motive other than to know whether I can call him or not. But but anyway, so that's what my family uses, find my friends. When my kids were growing up, they had they as teenagers late teenagers they had my oldest one didn't have a cell phone in high school my younger one got one his junior year and so we would text each other but there wasn't there was none of this sort of surveilling and tracking 61 percent of parents admitted to monitoring their kids internet activity that's yeah. not surprising 50 no. percent looked through their kids messages or call log and this writer makes the point that this all starts really early with something called class dojo. Do you know what this is? That, yes, yes. And we don't have that particular one for one of our kids. There's different apps that they right. have. But it's, I think what the writer is pointing out is that you just end up seeing, like, we have something else for my kid's school that I can log into and I can pay for field trips there. Right. I can, they'll let me know if I need to sign something or if I need to um, sign up for conferences and things like right. that. Like they put notes in that system. That's great. And so, but what it does is it allows you then, now I don't really deal with this because my kids are so young, but you can check in on how your kids did on test scores. You're not relying on your kids to bring home a paper where they right. have rewritten an F to a B, right. <laughs> something like oh. I, whatever they've done, that you just get to check it online. Right. And so the writer goes on to make the point. She she has some testimonials about parents 
And it's funny because she references the North Shore of Chicago, which is a very, very affluent area of Chicago with a lot of type A parents who want their kids to get into the best schools. But she talks about how these parents, even into high school, are checking where their kids are at school to make sure they're at class. They're checking their kids on college campuses to make sure that they're going to class. Thank God my parents didn't do that. They are checking every score, like every test that a child takes in high school, they're checking. Right. And, you know, I, I would say through grammar school, I was very much on top of my children's grades. Mm-hmm. In high school, it really became their responsibility. And that's the sort of the, the, the point that the, the writer is making, that at some point, parents have to sort of take their hands off the wheel or those kids are never going to learn what does it mean if you don't, st- like, are never going to learn right. what it feels like to fail or to succeed without somebody looming over them. And I don't think that's healthy either. I mean, it's, I was quite know, aware of my kids' grades, so I, I don't, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I was quite aware if there was a problem, they're going to know about it, but not on a day-to-day basis. It's an interesting thing because, okay, so here's where I go with this. When I initially think about like, what is my comfort level? My thought is that my comfort level is that I would be comfortable surveilling the things that I would have been able to surveil back in like the 90s. So like their call log. Okay, like that kind of makes sense to me because I like when I was a kid, we had a family phone. So like somebody always knew who was calling you or who you were calling or that was like public, like you were in a you were in the main area of the house. Like I didn't have a phone in my room, you know, so like I would have to I that kind of stuff was just public knowledge as part of the way that things were in that time. So I kind of feel like maybe I could be comfortable with that level. But then the other part of me sort of thinks like, Marjorie, this is the world that we are in, that your bosses can look at every single one of your emails through the company that you're sending. You, When you are posting things on social media, there are going to be people who are looking at that. And so I sort of feel like in some ways I can kind of understand, and you know, I'm just like throwing out a little bit of a devil's advocate here, but I can kind of understand like, you also have to teach your kids accountability for what they're doing on a machine because that is the way of the world right now that you can be accountable for anything. We were talking about like, I've had times, it, not recently, but like years and years ago where I would be told like, hey, you've got to take that down from your personal Facebook page because that could be interpreted a certain way. And multiple producers have gone through that. And it's not as much anymore because we're like in this world where people are just so used to it. but your your employer could always be looking at your emails could always be looking at your search history could be looking at anything and it's almost like you have to get used to that understanding that that's the life that we're living and that being watched digitally is a a part of the world i guess what the i'll take the writer's position on this yeah i think she goes too far cuz she's saying you know basically don't surveil and i think that's just not realistic in the sense and i i think i would i would be very much aware of where my kids were going online 
if they were teenagers. I, I know that. I, I didn't have to confront that, but I know that about myself because yeah. it's like to not sort of keep a loose eye on where your kids are going on the internet is kind of like saying, I'm going to drop you in the middle of the city. Go wander. Just go wander. You'll Best be fine. Luck. You'll be fine. And I just think that's, I think it's naive to say, no, you know, they should have, let them go. I, I, I do. I, I, I wouldn't, I know for myself, I would surveil that. The point is in the extreme. Mm-hmm. And some of the examples she was giving about surveillance was in terms of like the find my friends, one mom was watching her son. He was at a place where he wasn't supposed to be. He would as he was at a girl's house and the mom gets into that business. Yeah. And this was a relationship he was just starting. I can't remember. He was a teenager. He was just starting a relationship with a girl and there's mom like texting. And I can't remember if she drove over or not, but like she gets in the middle of that young person's interaction of a blooming romance. I mean, how will that not fracture the kind of person you become when your mom's that into your business? I mean, I think, and that's the hard part for your generation because it's like to not surveil could actually be a dangerous thing for your kid. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot about these young girls being lured by these guys into sex trafficking and all these things. I mean, those are like real stories for a reason. Right. It's a very interesting line. And it's, I think maybe the that sort of hovering obsession is where you, if you find yourself in that situation as a parent, where you're just like obsessing, right. then it's really time to back off. But if you're in a concerned situation, I, I don't know, like if my child is late home from curfew, if it's 11 p.m., they're supposed to be home at 11 and it's 1120, I, I will check to see where they are 100 percent. Right. I mean, I don't even think that would be. Of course I would, because that's out of concern of like, are you in a car accident? Like, why are you not answering your phone? What's happening here? Right. It's really it's really, really hard. And certainly what my sons did, my sons didn't have a curfew. But what they did was if they were going to be late, they would just text us and they'd say, you know what, I'm over here. I'm just going to stay later. And the rule for our family was if there's any sign of of drinking or drugs, you're going to have a curfew. You're just going to have a curfew. If you're trustworthy, we will trust you. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that's part of part of growing up. And that's a skill that they need to have before they go off to college like that's the other thing is they can't be so oppressed in their teenage dumb that when they go off to school, they lose their minds. I know. I think you're totally right. But it's also just so interesting to think about how we look at the immediacy, immediacy of communication versus how we used to, you know, like yeah. it, it's just, there are times where, I mean, I wouldn't hear from my parents for days or like, it just, you know what I'm saying? Or if somebody well, like if I if a friend called and then I would not I wouldn't get to call them back for like three days. Right. Like now we just live in a world where if like if I texted my mom in the morning and I didn't hear from her by that night, I'd be like, Dad, where's mom? Like, what's going on? Right. I mean, be, and and I to think about that 20 years ago is just so foreign because that's just not the pace that we ran our communication. We but, expect we expect a reply I mean, I go through this with Jay where I'm just like, if you're going to be late, you have to just text me. Like, you have to tell me that you're going to be late. You can't just like roll in whenever you want. Like, it there's a respect there 
right. that that is expected with communication that that wasn't there 30 years ago. Like it just wasn't the same way. You know, it's so strange to me when I think about I mean, I remember when I was 17 or 6 I had to be 16 and 16 I probably was 16 and I was at my boyfriend's house yeah and I fell asleep legitimately fell asleep the two of us fell asleep snuggle snuggle we were snuggling fell asleep watching a movie oh my gosh I wonder what movie it was and I hope it was like the breakfast club or something I remember waking up at four o'clock in the morning. Oh, shoot. And I looked at him. I won't name him. And I said, you got to get me home. And so he was such a nice, he was such a nice boyfriend. So he drove me home. And I'll never forget. I lived in a high rise. And we pull up into the circular drive. And my dad is sitting on the steps. Oh. So much trouble. And nothing, I mean, I was such a good girl. I mean, there was no, there was yeah. no. It panky, was, panky. No, it panky, was not panky. that. We just literally fell asleep. And um, I was grounded for the rest of the summer. And it was the summer before I was moving to Washington. And so that summer, and I often look back and I think my parents grounded me for the whole summer because in a way they knew I think that was kind of what they wanted to be around me because I was leaving. And so it was this weird. So I just have my friends over and everything else. But but that is such a weird thing to think about. Like there was no calling. No. I mean, it didn't even occur to me to pick up the phone at four o'clock in the morning and call him. Well, because you were afraid that you would get in trouble. I would get in trouble. I mean, so I was trying to sneak You're it. just thinking like, I got to get home. And then maybe maybe by the grace of God and all that is holy, they will still be sleeping. Sleeping. And I will be able to sneak in to the apartment and I'll be able to get into my bed and no one will be the wiser. Wiser. I mean that, but it is that that's the consequence for making your parents worry because they can't, they have to do something. But what do our children lose? What does this generation lose in knowing that they're not out in the world by themselves? Like I lost all joy, all autonomy, all sense of independence. (laughs) It's a traumatizing existence. I mean, I totally believe it. I I really do. And you know, I talk about this often. I am yeah. the last generation that remembers what life was like before yeah. cell phones, before technology, because I went into college with no cell phone. I went out with one and there was no Facebook launched for college kids, I think two years after I graduated. Wow. So there was so no you know. Facebook. And, it and so- was awesome. And it was freeing and it was like, and there was so much spontaneity where you could, you just like run into people and never know where the day was going to take you or the night was going to take you. You know, we just talked about that because I was back in Madison and I was totally brought back to those times. And it was so interesting because now that you brought up having this conversation, it's like, I just was feeling because I was just in the space where I last had that freedom. And so I could feel that freedom again, even though, you know, I was walking around as a 42 year old mother of three with my right. but cell phone and my husband and clearly had no freedom. I have no freedom. I have zero freedom right now. Absolutely <laughs> none, none. But then I was free and right. it felt great. And I just wonder if I were parenting now, how would I walk that line? 
knowing how I benefited from it. I mean, when I moved to Washington at 17, I mean, imagine that. I'm a 17-year-old running around Capitol Hill, not talking to my parents every day. This was my husband who left home at 15 to go play hockey. Not talking to his parents every day. Absolutely not. And was like running his own show, was responsible for all these things at 15 years old. And I was better for it. And you were better for it at 17 or 18 when you went off to college. So how do you, how will you give as much of that to your children as possible? Yikes. I'm going to not allow them to grow up is my plan. (laughs) So how they are right now, this is how it's going to, they're just going to stay like this forever. You know, that country song, they're going to stay this little, oh, darling, don't you ever grow up. You listen to that. It's going to just make you sob. I know. I think you just have to have so many conversations with them and you have to always be trying to support them in making the right decisions and hope that the mistakes that they make aren't life-changing because, and I don't know if there's anything else that you can do. And my mom would always say that too. She would always say, we just hope that the mistakes you make don't ruin your life because, or like significantly alter your life, you know, that you get in a car, that you get in a car drinking. And if you make that mistake, every mistake is a mistake. Certainly some can have bigger consequences than others. Right. But if you get in a car and somebody's drinking, you pray that the mistake is that you wake up the next morning. You're like, Oh my God, that was so scary. I'm never going to do that again. Not, I got in a car accident, killed someone else. And now I'm paralyzed. You know, it's like, it's that, that constant prayer for discernment and wisdom when it comes to making decisions and praying that the mistakes will be there to teach you. Every mistake will teach you something, but hoping that it it's not going to completely derail your life. When will those conversations start? Well, they start now. I mean, I tell you this, like that we talk about drugs all the time. We talk about, because we see people who are unhoused living on the streets on drugs every single day on our Mm. way to and from school. So this is, this is how we live. I mean, we live in the city. So we drive from Minneapolis to St. Paul all the time. And so we talk about those choices constantly because my kids ask questions and they say, why, what's, what's wrong with that person? Why is that person? Why do they look like that? Why don't, why can't that person stand up? I mean, it's very clear when someone's tweaking out on drugs, what's going on. And we have, we have such a problem. I mean, oh my gosh, I just read in the New York Times today about a private security guard that's hired in Portland and they kind of followed him around and all of the people that he encounters in a day. And it was shocking, shocking. And he's hired to help support the police because they have no officers. That's heartbreaking. We're aware of that here. So we talk about that kind of stuff a lot. And the phone and the internet stuff, we've, we, I just keep trying to push it off as long as possible. Like I'm just trying to, and they just yeah. asked me in just in the car yesterday, when will I get a phone mama? Will it be when I'm 10? Will it be? And I'm like, is this Bernie or Franklin? Bernie. And then Frankie asks too. Bernie said, there's a fourth grader who has a phone oh. and a lot of fourth graders have phones. And we, we have chosen to go the route of the, we have the gab watch. I've talked about this before. Right. Right. I don't think it's 100% great because frankly, I have to use a, a, like a giant metal clamp to clamp it to the charger to get the freaking thing to charge. It's just not like it's clunky. It's clunky. It would be better to do an Apple watch, which I think is probably what we'll shift to. Right. 
but it gives her some autonomy so we can drop her off at gymnastics and then we can go pick her up. And if she couldn't find us for some reason, or if she felt sick during gymnastics, she could call us without having to ask an adult to use the phone or track down a phone, which is impossible, which is impossible. So, you know, having a way to communicate. So that's been really good, but I'm just trying to push it off. I am so hopeful that in the next like six or seven years, there is a shift in just pushing off more of a cultural pressure to push off the use of social media as long as possible. Don't you think that's happening now? I do think so. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I, so. I can't feel it because I'm not in the place where mm-hmm. it's, I'm not in the place where it's critical as to whether or not the people around me are using social media. You know, yeah. I'm, I think I'm around it's totally older happening. people. So it's even the same way it's happening with even technology integration into schools. I remember probably 10 years ago, it was every, every school was like every, every single child elementary should have a, an iPad. Right. And it was like a big selling point. Like this is so I great remember to that. come to our school. Yeah. One-to-one iPad is what they, right. they called it. Like my girlfriend is a teacher and she was for her school district. She integrated that. And then when I was looking at pre or at kindergartens, my question was how much access to technology do they have? And if they said one-to-one, I was like, we're out, we're not doing this school because that was a priority for me. That would have been minimize. a priority for me. That would have been one yeah. for me as and well. And Bernie just said they just got to, they went to the computer lab in third grade. They start going to the computer lab and they have a computer lab that they go to at the school. That's fine. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's really hard. And I, I, I'm grateful for the things that I didn't have to deal with when, yes. when my children were growing up. But at the same time, I think that there are so many great tools that I didn't have as a parent when my kids were growing up. There are great technology tools, but there's got to be a way. We don't have any answers, but I just feel like there has to be a way. I mean, almost in reverse, like when my older son said, hey, I want you guys to do find my friends and it'll just be an easier way for all of us to keep track of each other. But he's sort of doing that for us, that if there was some way that and that's why I say talking about it with your kids when they're young so that you're not trying to have this conversation when they're 13. Just some idea that all of it is foundationally because of love, not control. Yeah, I think and so. I, and I think, I, that I think that's, that's what good. the writer was talking about, like these parents. that, And she, of course, like any anybody who's going to write an article like that, they're going to use the extremes. Mm-hmm. But I know what it feels like to obsess about your kids' grades. I know that. I did in the sense, and I would not, I would try very hard not to obsess with them. I would obsess privately, like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And then 
so I understand that compulsion to want to control, to make sure that your kids get all the opportunities that they should get. Right. But at the same time, that the tighter, the tighter you keep winding that, I think the more that's just going to explode or spin when they're teenagers. And so Plus, you've got to find a way. Yeah. And doesn't it maybe depend on how you use the information? You know, the, infor- the information gathering is one thing, but how you're choosing to use it is another. The one blessing about it, though, that I can really see, because being a child of the 80s, you know, I mean, it was like there were bullying things going on in school and clicky things that were going on that just like it was just more of a Lord of the Flies culture back then. I mean, oh, we yeah. can all look back and go like, that was terrible. I remember, I can remember specific faces of kids who were awful and the kids who were getting bullied and all that kind of stuff. And I, I will say the one thing that I think is a little bit of a blessing of being able to dig up some information is if you notice like your child isn't eating or is losing a drastic amount of weight, I mean, at least you have a way to like go, okay, now we need to step in and start to investigate what's been going on here. And hopefully right. you can gather the information quickly and start to move towards a treatment quickly versus just having no idea because they won't tell you that somebody has been right bullying them or harming them or threatening them or whatever. And I think what you said should have been sort of, I think is a better wrap up to this topic than, than where the reporter went. And, and it's, the information gathering is one thing, it's how you use it. And I just think that that's going to be, that that should just be at the, sort of at the forefront of everybody's mind when they're digging into what is private, what is private still, what kids search is private, but it, but it shouldn't be. Right. So it has to be used so carefully. If you're going to, if you're going to go down that road, which as I said earlier, I know I would have, uh, you just got to be really careful and everything say, can I'm gonna, be a problem. We're going to move off the grid and um, <laughs> we're going to live off the land and everyone gets their own milk cow. And um, that's how you survive, which sounds, might be the way that we lovely. go. It sounds lovely, Elizabeth. It sounds lovely because I know there's oh been lots gosh. of good gardening and food involved in that scenario. This is good. All right. I need the good vibes because I've really been battling this little bit of illness. And now I think I have a sinus infection, Marjorie. And I'm oh. like taking all my witch doctor stuff and doing all my things. And it just is seeming to not be getting better. So give me the good vibes. I've can I send you, can I send you the best vibe? Because yeah. I'm always seeking your approval Yes. when it comes to cooking. Okay. So here it is. I've said this before. My plan is to rewrite my baking history so that when I have grandchildren, they just, grandma was a baker. She was amazing. She was such a great baker. She was legendary in town. Legendary. Really, every town she lived in, they could never stop talking about her baking. (laughs) That's right. So for the first time, maybe, I can't remember it ever happening before, but maybe it did. Okay. I made my son's birthday cake. I used a mix. I used the Dolly Parton coconut, Betty okay. Crocker. That's fine. Um, coconut. He likes coconut cake. So I love I, coconut cake. Yeah. So I made the coconut cake. But here's the thing. I made the frosting from scratch. Yeah. yeah. I used the New York Times recipe for coconut uh, cake frosting. Oh. And then I modified it 
because for so many years I was hanging around chefs. And so I, 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 I would see them do these creative things. So to the New York Times recipe, I added two whole lemons. Oh my God, I'm still eating that frosting. It was so fantastic. Good. I've been putting it on waffles. I put it on my pancakes this morning. Oh, I it's, like how you're living. I like is, how you're living. Oh my hey, God, you, that's good. You better put that recipe in the show notes. You can't just talk like that. You can't talk <laughs> like that and just not share that. You can't You can't do that. You have Elizabeth, to... it's happening. Yeah, I it's made happening. frosting from scratch. It's yeah, this happening. Is Could your son even believe it that you made him a birthday cake? And how old did Campbell turn? 30, 28, 29? He turned 30. And he was 30th birthday. He got a home baked. It's what he's longed for from his mother for 30 years. And he finally got got it. it. But of course he said to me, he said, mom, do you remember the cake I made for you? I'm like, yeah, sure. And he like whipped up a picture and it was gorgeous. It was like this three tiered cake with strawberries on top. It was beautiful. Mine was not that. I did toast the coconut that went on top of the cake. So, I mean, I'm working. Oh, I'm a, very impressed with this. I'm I am very, very impressed. Really hard at a high level. It's all going to come to fruition. I, I'm not going to be a famous baker other than with these grandchildren that don't exist, Listen, which I don't I, talk about with my sons because I'm not pressuring them, but I'm just getting ready. Your son turned 30, your youngest turned 30, and my youngest turns three on the day this podcast is released. And I will not be baking him a cake. I will be going to Whole Foods and purchasing a cake. And and I feel great about it. Because Elizabeth, that was my go-to for 20 20 years. And I also said, let's go out to dinner. Where do you want to go, Heathcliff? You want to go to the little neighborhood grill down the street? Let's go. He's three, and that's what we're gonna do. And give him. Will a he have a favorite? Gonna... Will he? Yeah. Will he pick? He knows what he likes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so cute. That's He's so cute. Very. He's a little foodie guy. Well, All I'm right. here to tell you, they'll be fine. You don't have to make the cakes homemade. They'll be fine. Whole Foods is my go-to for for 20 years, but I did it. It's happening. It was very successful, and I will post the recipe. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best to the Nest. We are the podcast that brings you home.